Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. With us right now, my good friend, Ken Lundeen. Ken, you're found on the web at KenLundeen.com, and that's spelled L-U-N-D-I-N.com. Ken, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, perfect, Josh. I'm glad to be here. This, uh, I think this is going to be a blast. I think so. I think so. All right. So, Ken, high level, what do you do? Oh, high level. I guess the easiest way to say it's what I what I do the most, right? I'm a scotch drinker and I'm a wine drinker who wants to see the world from every continent. So um, that's kind of the big picture. But ultimately, we've got a fantastic sales consulting organization and we help B2B brands, you know, rev up and put predictable systems in place to grow their companies. Mm, yeah, I love it. All right. So in the world of B2B sales, what do you see a lot happening right now that you think either has never worked or no longer works? Um, I think probably the number one thing people are screwing up is they're thinking that doing more means doing better, right? Mm -hmm. You've got, with the the advent of technology, we found a way where we can do a whole lot of stuff at the same time and do it all really badly, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think ultimately it's one of those, you've got to be relevant to people, you got to be relevant to prospects, you got to know what their world looks like. Um, and I think ultimately the problem right now is we are, we've gotten lazy B2B yes. seller, sales managers and companies gotten, they just go, Hey, let's do more. Even if it's bad, yeah. that's not really a great way to success. Yeah. And, you know, in higher level B2B sales, uh, you know, I've always been very critical of folks that, tr- that that try too hard to shortcut and automate the system. Because yeah. I think at the end of the day, you know, pr- particularly in B2B sales, it's a very human to human um your process, right? And and I know that when I have felt completely like it's just a bot that that, that I've been pawned off to, I f- it feels cheap to me. And it's like, man, I thought we had something going here. I I thought we had something special. And when they automate me, that, that just doesn't feel real great. I mean, I understand if it's you know we're talking like a twenty nine dollar a month SaaS product. I get it. Right. Right. But, you know, if we're talking about something a little bit higher ticket, I don't expect to be uh, automated a whole lot. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So Gartner, which is a great organization out there that um, they do a bunch of research and they, Gartner said, I believe that a stat was 74% of B2B buyers want to get value from the sales process or the salesperson. Yeah. yeah. Yet less than half of them feel like they do. And so it's a massive opening to have that conversation. And I think what's interesting is, you, so you you say, hey, don't hand me off to a bot because I don't want to feel like, you know, we don't have something going. Yeah. I would argue that we've gotten so lazy in understanding our customers across the world that humans can make you feel like you're not important as well, right? <laughs> when they get to where they're just like, hey, Josh, you know, you'll love this feature because my marketing brochure says you should. Mm. You, and I, You know, at the end of the day, what you don't do is, they're not spending enough time saying, hey, you know, Josh Elledge, he's your customer. What's going on in his world? Yeah. And how do we solve higher level level problems that have nothing to do with how you point and click in our software? Yeah, you know, Ken, and, and I think that that is um, something that at some point we're all guilty of. Um, and I think a lot of it stems maybe from enthusiasm over what we do. 
right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about how well this works that I think a lot of times we, you know, is I'm guilty of this, yeah. and and I I I don't. I ask a lot of questions, right? Because I, I want to get to know someone. Um, but then I I think if where I make the mistake often is I don't I, I don't check in with them about their feelings and their thoughts and their emotions, their fears, their concerns. Because um, maybe part of it is uh, you know maybe I'm afraid of rejection. Um, I don't want to hear an objection, but but you know I think what you and I both know you want to know every objection, right? Because psychologically, I know that objections are the things you need to know so that you could truly solve and help them. And it may not be that, you know, this becomes a transactional relationship, but if we're truly advocating for that other person's outcome, we ought to be very keenly aware of their pain points and their fears of moving forward. Yeah, I think what's interesting, so to, to, to steal a phrase, the thoughtful entrepreneur is much like you. Okay, they're, they're, oh, wait, that made sense. The thoughtful entrepreneur is much like Josh. And so the reason is you've created a product or a service that you absolutely love. And in, in when investment terms, we talk about venture capital, private equity, people investing in companies, they say there's the technical founder and the non-technical founder. Mm. The technical founder is the one who gets all the money because they want the person who understands the product set. The problem becomes that that person comes so falls so in love with the product set that they only get the people to buy who already understand the totality of the problem they have. So we don't do anything to create some sort of gap between, you know, it's like go to the doctor, right? And, oh, doc, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't feel good. My back hurts. And doctor says, get up off the table and walk to the door. And you walk to the door and he says, you know, you don't have a back problem. It's because your knee is screwed up. It's causing you to hit your hip and it's causing the pain in your back. And buyers, the problem with buyers is we all think it's a back problem and don't understand that it's stemming from something else or that there's something greater that can be solved. And so if we get lazy and we don't understand what the buyer's going through, it's too easy to get folks on the products that features benefits that we have yeah, rather than the things that really matter for others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, hey, I was just kind of pulling up your stuff here. Um, so are you, are you in Suwannee, Georgia? I am. How did you make it there? Uh, it's a it's a it's an interesting question, if not a great question. But the the interesting question: I bought a business back in 2006. I was part of a management co- management team that had built a franchise or of a home improvement concept from two million to about 80 million in sales in four wow. years. And then I bought the location out here, and uh, you know we moved out here in 2006, and uh, it's stuck. You know we've been here ever since. You know it's a beautiful part in that you know kind of that north. Uh, northeast of Atlanta is, yeah. I think, just such a um, it's such a great. We've we've had several clients in that area. Beautiful, uh, you know, lots of great trees. You start to get into the hills, rolling hills, yeah. and some mountains not too far north of you. Yeah. Um, great, great part of the country. And then, you know, of course, Atlanta is just a great city too. Great yeah. big city. Great, lots going on there. Um, do, do you do much work locally? I would imagine a lot of your stuff is just virtual kind of wherever though, right? Yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're very fortunate. Co- you know, the idea of COVID and the pandemic, those things didn't impact us too much because our client base is, is uh, located across the entire United States. Yeah. And so from that perspective, um, we've done well, so we do a lot of stuff. Do we have a number of local clients? Absolutely, because quite frankly, in case you couldn't tell, I like people. <laughs> and so yeah. it makes it easier to go get a cup of coffee or, 
you know, go to a dinner with a client like we did on Saturday if they're local. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, you know, we, but we love it here. It's very, very different from the arid uh, kind of dry Phoenix, Arizona that I was in for over 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, one bit of trivia, if you want to see, uh, if you're familiar with uh, in the 70s, the Super Friends, uh, they did all their business in the uh, the Hall of Justice, I think is the name of it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it is absolutely, looks exactly like Sewanee City Hall. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, we've actually, we've we've had friends, you know, making that statement forever and it's the exact same thing. You know, it's, you know, Wonder Twins activate. It's a, it's a deal. <laughs> So that's where I'm going for my next selfie with my wife here. We'll do the Wonder Twin. Uh, <laughs> we'll come through, I'll buy, you, I'll buy you lunch. Uh, um, yeah. So Ken, um, we're, um, you know, in terms of like the past five years, so you've been, obviously you've been at the helm of, you know, some high level sales consulting for quite some time. Have you seen any trends or any new sensitivities, um, particularly like in the past three to five years that you're like, yeah, look, this may have been good advice five, eight years ago. Please stop doing this. Yeah, I think so. I will say this, right? Everything to be written about sales in one form or another was written like pre-Zig Ziglar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so for those for those who don't know, that's 30 years ago, right? So it's all been written. It's about execution and discipline. I will tell you kind of the concepts that you know, that we keep hearing about is, you know, improper application of like the challenger sale, you know, and because a lot of people think of a challenger sale and they think of, oh, be a challenger as a salesperson. And that means just be a jerk. Like be the one who's always yeah. right in the room, right? Be oh, the one please. who's always pushing. And I think that's wrong. I think, you know, I'm, I got to be honest, the whole upfront contract that um, Samler has taught has been completely misapplied throughout business as well. And so it's, you know, just getting somebody to commit to something before you've exchanged any value. You know, I think those are things like, don't, I'm not going to challenge you on something in a, in a way that's disrespectful. And I'm not going to ask you to commit to something before you understand what the value is you might receive. You know, it's just super kind of like car salesman type days, you know, and I, and I mean that with all respect, but that's how people think of us, right? They think of people in the sales industry as, oh, this guy's going to try to sell me a used Volvo when what I really want is a three-wheeler. Um, and, you know, so those are kind of the differences, but absolutely those two concepts, uh, they've seen better days. Yeah. You know, I feel like if anybody's, uh, you know, I, I always kind of think of like, you know, when I think of like old school sales, I think of like, uh, you know, uh, Tom Hopkins, you know, yeah, and yeah. just like, you know, fancy closing techniques and stuff. It's like, listen, we all know what you're doing. Yeah. Don't. And I, I think it's getting rare. It's getting very rare. I mean, at this point for me to see bad, like really bad sales tactics, yeah. I, I feel like I have to go to like a, a, a low budget furniture store <laughs> or, uh, you know, maybe some auto dealers. I mean, it's, it's thankfully, thankfully it's very yeah, rare. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and I feel like we, I, I feel like the sales industry has appropriately uh, evolved and, and they have to, I mean, out of necessity, cause there ain't no money in the old school tactics. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, here's the biggest problem. It doesn't have to do with those specific things we cited. It's the idea of being disingenuous and people feel yes. just when you're disingenuous. Right. And so I will tell you right now, honestly, and I think I mentioned Zig Ziglar once before, I don't have a fascination with him, but he did say something that I really do love. And it's basically, you know, you can get everything you want in life as long as you help others get everything they want in life. For sure. And I think people don't understand how to apply that. And so I still think that there is a, I still think that companies in general do an incredibly poor job 
of teaching their people how to be genuinely curious, how to be how to how to actually be somebody who cares about the impact and outcomes. Just look at software companies. They're still measuring whether or not you're logging in instead of having conversations about the impact the software makes on your business. Think of the difference in that, right? One's about growing my own bottom line. The other one's about I'm going to do what's right by my client and I'm really going to grow my bottom yeah. line. So that, those are things that when you think about, it, I think you've got to just be constantly curious and you've got yeah. to teach and instill that in your people. Uh, how valuable do you see, you know, just, I want to say, you know, a, like higher level networking um, where you're like, look, I, I know that th- this guy isn't necessarily going to buy my product and right. I am okay with that. Like I'm okay just like investing time into relationships. For me, like I honestly, I think that's like the end game, right? Because if I have 500 people out there that, that, that that like what I do and they understand what I do and that I'm kind of a go-to person for solving this very particular problem. In my opinion, I feel like that's game, set, match. Like you're, if you get to that point professionally, I feel like you're going to be pretty set for life. Yeah. So I think, (laughs) Josh, it took you a second, but you got to a hot button because I got a bunch of them. So (laughs) the job button I have right here is that problem, right? We've, we've, we've Twitterized sales. Mm. right? We've Instagrammed the sales process. It's like in sales, when you look at sales teams, even with all the great technology, what do we do? Well, if Josh can't buy from me today, let's throw him to the side. You know, you've forgotten the ability, what you're talking about, that higher level network and the ability to build long-term relationships. Yeah. It may not build your pipeline today or make your, your teammate quoted a day, but it'll make them a quota next year and the year after because they'll right. have deals that will come in based upon their knowledge and their authority in the industry. And so I absolutely agree with you on that because, you know, we've just gotten to the point where it's just too easy to sit back and let the deals come to us. And then we wonder when well, we're not taking proactive control over what's happening in our company, why we're so worried about whether or not we'll make the number we want to make. Yeah. Um, how do you translate that to running a sales team? Or, you know, if you're going to be like, listen, I'm the CEO, but I'm getting to the point now where I really need to start, um, you know, freeing up some of my time. I, I'd say the first one I think is super easy is getting a sales assistant, you know, someone to help you manage your CRM. That's like, I think that's an easy next step. Um, the step over that after that though, is like, listen, right now it's me that's doing all the FaceTime and people want to talk with me because it's my name on the side of the yeah. building. Yeah. How do we make that next transition to like, yeah, I know you want to talk with me, but hey, here's, here's Robert over here and Robert's pretty great. <laughs> Like, yeah. how do we do that and still like not really negatively impact our sales? There, there was a thing. So you got to the key phrase. How do we do that without negatively impacting our sales? Yeah. Here's the thing. You can be a technical founder who's not a salesperson. And the most common complaint we hear about somebody who's trying to go from founder-led sales to hiring a sales team is, Ken, I'm not a salesperson and I've been the best salesperson in this company. That <laughs> makes no sense to me. And that makes me have very little faith in salespeople, right? <sighs> And so that's the thing we get all the time because we have a, we have a couple um, services that we offer that take you from market acceleration program, which is founder-led sales into how do I build a sales team, yeah. which is a revenue acceleration program. And the, the, the biggest component, what you said, I would even argue with you, hiring a sales assistant will help you be better. 
Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, I, forgive me. Forget. Yeah, agree. Right, right. Agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it, at but, least but it, I can get maybe five to eight hours of my time back each week. Yeah, yeah. Because right? yeah, yeah. I'm not it's having a perfect to trade for a founder, right? Yeah. But it's a trade for a founder who's not ready to move to a sales team. Yes, right. You want to start hiring a sales team. The process of sales is the hardest part because what did I say? The founder was always the best seller, and it's because they're the most enigmatic. They're the most they're the most excitable about it. They're the they're yep. the face of the name. They just have the enthusiasm. And they know where founder the magic. Yeah, right? yeah. Founder magic. It doesn't matter whether or not you're actually a good salesperson. You're a great salesperson. <laughs> so that's one. And then to go from there, though, you know, people believe sales is a black box. And it is absolutely not. Products and services may differ from company to company, but the path to actually grow sales is systematic and predictable. And so that's the issue that you got to lean into. You have to lean into the ability to create the process. And that's each individual step that a salesperson can go through in order to make the sales team successful. Because otherwise, here's the deal. You didn't say it, Josh, but I want to say it out loud. You hire salespeople and you haven't put a process in and you just assume because they sold for somebody else, they know what sales is and they'll win for you. It's the most expensive mistake you can make because the small tele, you know, the, the, the person who's setting appointments is making 65,000 right now, right? It's a $65,000 mistake just to hire somebody who can set appointments when you don't have a process in place. Mm. Now take that. Yep. If you're selling a nine to 12 month enterprise thing, it's a hundred, $150,000 oh, mistake. Yes. Yeah. Slow it down to go faster. And that's how you deal to do the deal. But it's uh, in case you had noticed, I'm a little passionate about this part. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, as as a result of doing this wrong, you think of the consequences to great businesses. You think of the consequences of the the lack of impact, the fact that I can't yeah. help somebody with my product. And that's ultimately what we yeah. want to have happen. And so because we have those problems in 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 you know getting to that next level in sales, it's just that stuff isn't happening. And as a result, that has a trickle-down effect at like, you know, people are then stuck in bad solutions. They don't have your solution. I, I get it. I get it. Um, well, think about your employees, Josh, real quick. Like, I don't know, I jumped on you, but think about your employee base. Yeah. You've been stagnant for five years. You've had some turnover. You haven't. They have no career pathing, mm, right? Yeah. You get turnover. You get people doing stuff. Think about the culture that that creates when they're like, yeah, I just get a paycheck. That's not the thing that any, you know, that nope. any entrepreneur really wants, right? We want to create environments where other people can succeed because by lifting them and our clients up is how we lift ourselves up and achieve our own goals. Yeah. What program is it? I'm on your website right now, kenlundine.com. I see programs. I see market acceleration program, revenue acceleration program, and continuity acceleration program. Yeah. Yeah. The, those three programs fit across the broad scope of businesses. So market acceleration program is let's refine product market fit, right? It's part of the sales alpha roadmap. Yep. Then we have the revenue acceleration program, which is about installing the process of sales and starting to scale. Mm -hmm. and the continuity acceleration program is for large companies who have either bought other companies or launched multiple product lines, and they're mm -hmm. not seeing the synergies between those business units that they need to actually accelerate. And so, you know, our contention with the sales alpha roadmap is you have to do those three phases perfectly to maximize margins, to maximize your sales yeah. price, and to reduce your customer acquisition costs. Mm. Man. All right. Ken Lundin, your website, KenLundin.com. That's Ken, L-U-N-D-I-N.com. Um, of course, we you know talked about the programs that you offer, but someone going to your website, what would you recommend their next step being if they're like, man, I'm really digging this conversation. Uh, we already told you how to get a hold of Ken, but when they go to your website, what do they do? 
Yeah, go ahead and hit the, you can schedule an appointment right from the website. Here's one of the things we don't do, which makes us different and probably not that bright, is we don't actually build this huge email list that you've yeah. got to worry about getting spammed by us, right? Yeah. Take a look at it. You'll see our point of view on there because we've got a pretty firm point of, point of view that sales training and consulting as an industry is broken. But I'd go ahead and hit on there. You can schedule a Calendly call and I'm going to give you the little bit of a secret. Even though we have a team, I'm still the guy you're talking to. So we'll give you a yeah. free strategy session if you mention that you, are, you saw us on this podcast with Josh. Yeah, awesome. Ken Lundin, your website, kenlundin.com. Ken, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.